All right. Welcome back to the big program. Time now for our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Rooter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped that Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca as we welcome into the studio an old friend, Shane Peacock. Uh, Welcome to Sports 1440. How are you, big guy? I'm doing well, Tante. Good morning. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. So Shane is a counselor at Enoch Cree Nation, uh, been there for a number of years in that position. Uh, we first met 30-some years ago when you were in Lethbridge, and that you were just saying that that song by Tom Petty, that was the song that you guys had when you came out on the ice in Lethbridge? Yeah, absolutely. That was the song that uh, we would jump onto the ice to, get us going, get us rolling. And, uh, you know, it's funny how my memories flood back, and I've, I've got fond memories of Lethbridge. Yeah, lots of st- good friends that you still stay in touch with, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, over the last number of years, I've actually kept a really good uh, relationship with the brass, mm-hmm. the GM, uh, and all the group there. And... Uh, Actually, um, really quickly, they invited me last year to the Bantam Draft, and okay. that was so much fun to be a part of, to see, and to just be in the background, right, and listen and uh, see how they ma- make their moves. For sure. Uh, so Saturday was Truth and Reconciliation Day. Uh, you guys had a lot of uh, events out at, uh, uh, at Enoch, and kind of run us through what went, and you were busy with the kids as well doing stuff. So how did the weekend go for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm always busy with the with my kids in hockey. I coach uh, the one, my younger son, with the U13 uh, uh, CAC, mm-hmm. uh, Cutting Edge, and my daughter plays U15 Pandas AA. So we're very busy. I've always been active in the uh, active role with my kids in hockey. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, I missed some of the events on our own nation. But uh, we've had multiple things that happen through the resort. We've had dinners. We've had meals. Just pe- places for uh, for us to gather and really feel us feel the community spirit. Uh, on Saturday itself, we had a walk. Uh, Global did do a little piece mm-hmm. on it, but it it started at our elder center, and it was to get the our members together and just walk through the community and have that sense of pride. For sure. Uh, Shane Peacock, uh, our guest on Sports 1440, uh, was a heck of a hockey player back in the day. Are you still playing a little bit or not? No, unfortunately not so much. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I tended to find my balance in life, and I use this term often, is through my kids. So I'm coaching them on the ice close to eight hours a week regardless. Uh, and, I, I, and I really enjoy that piece. It, uh, it does bring balance to my life. How do you um, get that balance? How, is this just, did it just happen in the last little bit or did you kind of have to work at it? You know, for myself, it, it was always there. Yeah. Um, when I was playing, uh, I, d- I started late with family. So mm-hmm. it was at the very end of my career. My, my first, my oldest came along and I realized uh, that we needed, my wife and I, we, we needed to get home because I was at that time I was playing in Germany mm-hmm. and we needed to lay down roots. And, you know, that was a, an automatic for me that I was going to be there for my, my kids, my children as much as I can. And you got to balance work and life and that's the way I do it. Mm-hmm. Shane Peacock uh, with Kevin Carries on Sports 1440. So where did you play all your minor hockey before you kind of went to Lethbridge? Kind of run us through that time of your life. Sure. That's an, that's an easy one. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I'm from Enoch Cree Nation. I did uh, the majority of my minor hockey there. Uh, I got to a point where, you know, I, I reached the peewee level and realized that, you know, I need to move on to, mm-hmm. to, to keep pushing myself to be a better player. I uh, had the opportunity uh, to go to Canadian Athletic Club. I had two great years there. 
Uh, played as an underage for both years, which was uh, a rarity back then, as it is now. Uh, realized I still wanted a little bit more. And funny enough, a, a um, teammate of mine had mentioned about going to Athelmurray College in Notre oh, Dame, Notre yeah. Dame and Wilcox. Yeah. So we went out and we arranged for a trip to go and check it out. Uh, we both loved it. For whatever reason, he chose not to go. And then I had my mindset that I was going there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I went there as a 14 year old in grade nine. Uh, I was there for two years, loved it, loved the culture, loved uh, the responsibility of of who you are mm-hmm. put on yourself. Right. So it gives you all the character pieces. And I talk to this often when, when I get into discussion about Notre Dame. Yeah. It did wonderful things for me. Uh, actually, what it did was set me on my hockey path. It gave mm-hmm. me all the right characteristics to go for it. So, uh, you know, I was uh, with Lethbridge. And Lefford said, you know, come as a 16-year-old, you'll play. Any 16-year-old, 17-year-old at that time playing hockey are going to say, okay, I'm going. Yeah. Uh, I was lucky enough to have uh, my uncle, Wilton Littlechild. He's always been there for me. Yeah. He's my spiritual guide. He ensured that all the right pieces were in there, that I would play, uh, and it made the decision really, really at the end of the day easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I go to Lethbridge as a 16-year-old. Um, realized that it's a, a, a well-built, older team poised to make a long run at the championship. Uh, enjoyed the uh, enjoyed that year. I've never played so much hockey. I'll, I'll never forget it. I told my dad at the end of the mm-hmm. end of that season, I don't know if I can go back because that's how much hockey we played. Oh, and that's that's just the part of the the way of the life, right? Like when you run deep in the playoffs and right. you see these NHL players. They need the time off. <laughs> they do. Um, Shane Peacock is our guest on Sports 1440. Let's just kind of double back to Notre Dame there. So how hard was that for you to leave Enoch and then move into a different kind of culture uh, for that period of time when you were in uh, uh, Notre Dame? Well, you know what? <laughs> it was tough. Yeah. No, no doubt. You're, I was a young man, barely a man. I yeah. was only 14 years old, but I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted to play the game. I wanted to play at the highest level. You know, the, I was chasing the dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's part of the music there that we had the <laughs> intro for. But at the end of the day, uh, once I got there, my parents brought me. They did a walkthrough. They had a harder time than I did. Mm-hmm. And they they didn't tell me that until many years later. But if you've ever been to Wilcox, Saskatchewan, there's a mound, there's a hill in between the dorms. And I stood there and watched my parents drive as far as they, I could see. Yeah. And my realization at that time was, I'm on, I'm on my own. I'm the only one that's going to do this. And that was my mindset. And like I said, my, I owe Notre Dame a lot of uh, who I am today. And some of my best, best, absolute best friends are mm-hmm. from the, that short period of time. Five years in Lethbridge. Not a lot of guys play five <laughs> years in the Western Hockey League, but you, you know, right, as again, and you started as a 16-year-old and made an impact right away. Um, how much did you grow as a person from, you know, from a 16-year-old to a 20-year-old when you were there? You know, five years doesn't seem like a long time. Others, other people say it is. Yeah. For me, that was the best years of my, my hockey and you'll hear a lot of pros and other people say that because at the end of the day, we're there to just play hockey and take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't have the, all the adult uh, worries and concerns. 
Uh, so for me, you know, I grew over those years. I learned a lot of different things. Uh, there were some hardships in between. When I say hardships, the first time uh, I've never made a team, which was the World Juniors. Yep. Uh, going to pro camps, you know, I was drafted by Pittsburgh. Really tough to make a team when they're winning back-to-back cups. Yeah. But just to get the, the overall, you know, I'm still taking care of myself. I'm still playing hockey. Um, and within those five years, it's, it's you go from being the young guy mm-hmm. to being the guy in the middle that's learning the leadership to, at the end of the day, being the leader that's pulling everybody along. Yeah. And that's really cool. And when you understand that piece, uh, it stays with you. So 35, and def- this is a defenseman here, folks, uh, Shane Peacock, defenseman. 35 goals in your third year, 27, fourth year, 27. Uh, last year you had 102 points uh, as a 19-year-old. Man, oh, man, uh, you guys had some stacked teams. Uh, after uh, Lethbridge, you end up in Kalamazoo, and who was your coach, and what did he mean to you? Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> so like I spoke to, the, you know, Pittsburgh didn't actually work out, yeah. uh, which was okay. You know, uh, I understand the situation there. But going forward, I was really weighing options in the summer uh, as, as my 20-year-old year, after my 20-year-old, excuse me. And, you know, I'm, I'm deciding, do I really want to go, go pro or do I look mm-hmm. at uh, Canadian University because I've had those number of years in the, yeah. in the WHL. And I get a phone call out of blue, and it's Ken Hitchcock. And Ken says to me right away, he says, you know, what are your plans? What are you looking to do? I said, well, I'm actually weighing all my options right now. And he says, come play for me. I'll make you a pro. I said, Hitch, that's all I need to hear. Yeah. So, you know, it worked out beautiful that I got the opportunity to go play in the minors for Dallas's farm team. Uh, Hitch did exactly what he said he would do. He made me a pro. He gave me the longevity to stay in the game as long as I did. Um, do you talk to Hitch a lot? Or do, I mean, obviously a, a big mentor for you. So not as much as I wish. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a busy man. He's <laughs> always uh, busy in the hockey world. But, you know, he's a giver back to the game. And that's what I learned from him. Uh, during the COVID years, you know, unfortunately for all of us with the shutdown, we were all looking at different options and what, what else is there, there was out there. I've always looked at, you know, maybe the possibility of coming back to the game at a higher level and coaching or that. Um, you know what it's always intrigued me is to get to a GM level mm-hmm. because they're the ones that are truly managing and building teams and that part's always got to me but during that time I did speak to Hitch uh, a, a number of times just to, to touch base on what it would take to be at any level scout coach assistant coach what's the academic piece yeah. and he was so willing to help me all the way through that he said look just put a resume together and I'll I'll tweak it up and we'll go over what you need um, after uh, uh, three seasons, I guess, in, uh, in the Detroit, uh, Dallas uh, farm system, you get an opportunity to go to Germany. How did that come about for you? And was that, uh, take us through that decision, because now you're going, I'm, I'm going to another country. I'm going across the world here, man. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that was another tough one uh, on my side of things. Uh, that was when Dallas was starting to really build up for their yeah. playoff run and uh, their cup run, right? And, you know, I realized that I wasn't going to be a part of that uh that run and that was the time of the first expansion you know the San Jose's and the Columbus and all that come in and I asked to just not be protected give me another opportunity Mm -hmm. somewhere else in expansion and maybe catch on right Uh, they went ahead and protected me anyway Uh, I let them know that if that was the case I would look for other options Mm -hmm. Um, so once I found out that I was protected I said okay I called my agent I said find me something in Europe 
give me a fresh start. You know, I'll go. I always said if if I had the opportunity, I would go over yeah. Europe to play. Would fit my style play. Uh, so I ended up going to Dusseldorf, Germany. Yeah. And you know, the plan was go for a year, come back as a free agent, try and catch on wherever I could. And I had so much fun, was treated so well that you know, I didn't think a one year thing would turn into thirteen. Oh. So thirteen years, yeah. Thirteen years, absolutely loved the lifestyle, loved the game play. Uh, you know, it was so good for me and my wife. And and your how do you your German is good? You're you can <laughs> are you are you getting by or are you? Uh, you know what? My my German actually got to a pretty decent level, common yeah. speaking level. Um, I'll give you one little fact here that I throw out every so often, especially at the, at events or yeah. different kinds of meetings. Is you know because of my opportunity to play there for so long. I was had the privilege to actually apply for German citizenship. Mm-hmm. And at that time, a lot of Canadian players or foreign players would be looking for an opportunity to give them a little bit more longevity mm-hmm. to play in Europe or in the EU. So because of my First Nations heritage, uh, I had the opportunity to get my German citizenship and keep my stat and keep my Canadian. So yeah. when I break that down real quick, uh, when you apply to be a German citizen, you have to give up whatever nationality you mm-hmm. were. And they never allow dual citizenship. So when I worked through my immigration uh, person, yeah. and when we finally got to the finish line, he says, you know what? We never do this. It's like winning the lottery. Wow. So I tell people often, I'm a First Nation Canadian. Yeah. First Nation first, Canadian, yeah. and German. And... You know, for me, uh, it's so blessed to have the opportunity that I lived and played there for so long Mm -hmm. that I could still return and go back to Germany and work if I needed to. But but more importantly, this applies to my children. Yeah. So who knows where where they will be when they're uh, adults. So what's your role now with with Enoch Cree Nation? What do you do? Um, And again, Saturday Truth and Reconciliation Day... um, What's your message, I guess, to the youth? Because that's what where everything has to yeah. happen. So, kind of so, just kind of touch on that, uh, Shane. Yeah, absolutely. So, my role at home on the nation is you know, I'm a part of chief and council. For you know, I get that question quite a bit. Mm-hmm. What is the role? When you break it down, it's no different than what you see here in the city of Edmonton. You have your mayor and you have your council members. Yeah. The mayor leads and directs, and he has a different role than everybody else. Uh, council members are placed in areas of strengths, right, to take care of. Uh, on the nation, we call them our branches. Other places call them their portfolios mm-hmm. uh, or divisions. So for myself as a council member, chief has assigned me to a couple different areas that uh, are my strengths, and that's the areas I take care of. And then there's the, the overall, we're all chief and council. There's 11 of us sitting that will make the, the larger decisions for the nation. So that's the quick breakdown of what I do and how mm-hmm. I do that. Uh, deal with all levels of government, yep. uh, provincial, federal, meet with all kinds of ministers, always looking for what's the best way to move forward for the nation. So again, Saturday, Truth and Recon- Reconciliation Day, what is your message, I guess, I guess, to the Indigenous youth and to everyone? I mean, I mean, we're all in this together, man. Yep. So, you know, I started off and I actually had the opportunity to speak to my son's team on on the weekend Mm -hmm. and it was really cool. It was really powerful. You know, it was a smaller setting. But what I tell everybody is that when you break it down, it's especially for children, 
You know, here's an opportunity to learn. Yeah. It's always about learning. Uh, the piece about truth and reconciliation really is the understanding of this is a piece of history. It's a history that's not been uh, taught. Mm-hmm. It's now being learned. And for the young people, both, it doesn't matter, all young people, is to try and learn and understand that what happened because when you become educated, then you make better decisions on what you've learned mm-hmm. and how to move better, move forward better. So when I got to speak to my son's team, you know, the room went silent. Mm-hmm. They understood where I'm from. They understand that my son is from the Enoch Cree Nation, that we've lived a little bit different life no matter what. Mm-hmm. I said, you've got to be open. When I say open, I said, it's not to go and learn every single thing, but learn some of the culture because culture is what kept us here. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about within our leadership group that we've, we've always been here when we always will be. Yeah. For all the difficulties and struggles that we've had, residential school, 60 scoop, just the simply fighting against the government that we will always be here. So I told my young guys in the dressing room, I told them, I said, look, all you need to do is pick up a word. doesn't matter what it is. And I used the example, Kisimantu, our creator. I said, those are powerful words. Just the one word, because that's what it is. Language is our culture, mm-hmm. and it will always be there for us. And the one thing that I let young people know and when I speak to this is I'm very proud of Enoch. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud to be from there. But what I've seen in the last number of years, 10 to 20 years, is our growth and our culture coming back and the proud, the pride mm-hmm. that we feel within it has been awesome. Well, this has been awesome. I really want to thank you for coming in, Shane, and telling your story. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, again, we go back 30 years when uh, in, in Lethbridge, and now to see you here today is just uh, great that you came in. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Kevin. That was uh, what a b- great way to start the Monday. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's uh, our headliner of the day for Mr. Rooter. There's a reason that they call them Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrrooter.ca. That's uh, Shane, Meacock, Shane Peacock, counselor for Enoch Cree Nation. When we come back, we will check in with Curtis Pashelka from the Bay Area News and our puck report. Uh, that's coming up right after the break. Stay with us on 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. 924 in Edmonton. Uh, man, interesting uh, dude, Shane Peacock. And he was uh, a heck of an offensive defenseman. And that those teams in Lethbridge, when he was playing in Lethbridge, they were some powerhouse teams, uh, uh, offensive-minded um, uh, Dominic Pettis was was there. Uh, Rob Dom was the head coach uh, in, uh, I believe it was his last year, and that's when I was kind of working down in Lethbridge. Jeff Truitt was assistant coach down there as well. Uh, but, man, uh, he was, uh, Shane Peacock was a very talented offensive uh, defenseman. Uh, texts coming in. Uh, NWT Grant, uh, enjoying this interview with Shane Peacock. What an interesting journey via hockey to Germany and then back to Canada. Uh, thanks for this. Uh, appreciate that text, NWT um, Grant. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you think about it, what, what Shane Peacock, and, and 
going to Notre Dame, that's that's a, a a big journey in itself when you're just a young, young kid at 14, 15 years old to go to Father uh, Athel Murray College in Notre Dame and then to play five full seasons in the Western League. Doesn't happen at all very often anymore. Usually you're, you know, you're kind of a four-year guy, but uh, he would have went to Lethbridge as a 16-year-old in 1989. A 16-year-old. Uh, and as he said, they played more playoff games that year than any other uh, year that he was there uh, in Lethbridge. Uh, played 19 games in the postseason in 1989-90 with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Uh, uh, Corey Lyons was the leading scorer that season. Wes Waltz was there. Um, man, they had some guys. Kevin St. Jakes was there. Oh, man, he's an Edmonton guy too. Uh, but Corey Lyons had 63 goals, 79 assists. Uh, Lethbridge Hurricanes went 51-17-4 that season. Uh, Shane Peacock was a big reason why, and just as a 16-year-old. Um, trying to work on Curtis Pashelka from Bay Area News for our uh, Daily Puck Report. That's another new segment coming up on uh, the Kevin Carey Show on Sports uh, 1440. Um how are we looking with that, uh, Duke? Is the is Shane coming on? Or are we? Uh, Kurt, I'm just working on getting a hold of Curtis. Oh, Curtis, um, sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, yeah. you know, be uh, make sure that he's free. He said he was battling a bit of a cold when I was talking to him yesterday, okay. so I just sent him a quick text to confirm he's still good to go with us. But we'll uh, okay. hopefully get him on here in just a minute. Curtis Pashelka, my mistake. Bay Area News covering the San Jose Sharks. Sharks in a massive rebuild. Uh, no one is, uh, everyone's predicting them to finish basically last in the division. I can't see many people. I mean, you know, Anaheim is another team rebuilding as well. But San Jose, massive undertaking as far as the rebuild goes. Mike Greer, the former Oiler, now the general manager there. David Quinn, head coach uh, back in San Jose. They do have, you know, the Sharks do have a couple of guys that are veterans, that are very good player still, you know, Thomas Hurdle, Logan Couture. Uh, but for the most part, trying to rebuild uh, defensively is where they have to really uh, look at a lot of guys that are basically man, younger guys uh, and kind of in the middle of their career as well. Uh, Matt Benning, uh, he's there. So the former Oiler, Matthew Benning, uh, signed a, a three-year extension uh, to stay on. He's 29 years old now. Um, they have cap problems in the sense that they have dead cap space with Brett Burns, Eric Carlson, um, and then obviously they bought out Martin Jones a few years back too. So, um, Duke, what do you see for San Jose? I mean, everyone is basically saying between San Jose and Anaheim, that's they're going to be picking up the, the tail in, in the division? Yeah, I, I would think so. It'd uh, probably be a battle between those two for, for the final spot in there and, you know, continue to try and re, recoup some draft capital, more so for the Sharks because the, the Ducks have already been down this road for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. been do, uh, drafting very high a couple of times. Sharks a little bit newer to it because they were still uh, trying to remain competitive as they did have guys like Eric Carlson and Brent Burns uh, prior to last season. So uh, a name I'm really interested to see if, uh, if he's going to stick, mm-hmm. uh, William Eklund. Yeah. Um, their hype draft pick from a, a couple of years back. See what he can do with a little more opportunity now. Uh, more bodies out the door. So, but yeah, I, I don't know. They're not a team that inspires a ton of um, excitement, I no. guess, because of their situation. But I'll be curious to see what uh, Curtis has to say about maybe there is a another name or two we can keep an eye on throughout the course of the year once we uh, get a hold of them this morning. Uh, this puck report is brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now, during the Road Ready Sales event, you can save up to twenty five percent 
on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until October the 21st. You can book your appointment at fountaintire.com. Some restrictions do apply. Um, we're just hooking up with Curtis Pashelka from Bay Area News, so uh, thanks to the Duke for uh, getting that all lined up. And we are now joined by Curtis Pashelka uh, from the Bay Area News. Uh, morning, Curtis. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. You're with Kevin Carries here on Sports 1440. So we were just kind of discussing uh, the state of the Sharks uh, just before you joined us. Can you kind of give us an overall picture uh, with the Sharks heading into the upcoming season? Well, they're, they're still in a bit of a transition phase, as, as, as you guys probably alluded to. You know, they... Uh, they treated Timo Meyer last February. They treated obviously Eric Carlson, um, you know, in August there. And so they're without their leading uh, leading goalie from mm-hmm. last year, and James Reimer. They're without their leading goal scorer, and Timo Meyer. They're without, without their leading point producer, and Eric Carlson from last year. So definitely a lot of questions uh, about the Sharks coming up uh, for the upcoming season. Here, uh, they do have a lot of new faces to sort of work into their work into the lineup here, and and. Uh, you know, I think from their perspective, they uh, they feel that they're uh, a little bit better team than maybe what some people predict them to be. But still, kind of a wait and see, uh, wait and see thing for for the for the Sharks for sure. Curtis Pashelka, Bay Area News, is our guest on Sports fourteen forty. Uh, just before you came in uh, to the conversation, uh, we were discussing William Eklund. Um, how has he looked so far in the early going here? Well, he, he's gotten a little bit better as camp has, has gone on. Maybe he wasn't quite as noticeable. Uh, you know, in the first few days of practice and maybe his first uh, preseason game. But um, he seems to be on the right track right now. He had a very good practice uh, on Friday and then followed that up with uh, with a good game uh, in the exhibition game against L.A. on Saturday. And so he's trending in the right direction. Uh, just curious about how the Sharks are going to work if he does earn a spot mm-hmm. on the team. And the Sharks have said that, you know, they'll, they'll make room for guys, uh, for guys on entry level contracts if if they come up and uh, and have a good camp. I'm just curious to what that other side of that looks like. Is it I mean, trading a player or putting a guy on waivers, maybe an Oscar Lindblom, uh, that type of guy? Um, we'll see. wait to see how it mm-hmm. all turns out. But uh, from for William Eklund's perspective, I think he's, he's eager to make the team. I think this is, he feels this is his time after two years. You know, one year over in Sweden and another year in America, they get, you know, this is his time to sort of break through, become a full time NHL player. Yeah. So he, he has played, uh, you know, a, a few games, 17 uh, over the course of two seasons. He's, he's not a big guy. Uh, how's he kind of handle the traffic and, and the size of uh, today's NHL? No, he's not. He's not a big guy for sure. He has put on some muscle in the offseason. Uh, he does look more filled out now than he did when he was 18 or 19. Um, you know, he does, there is a bit of a question mark for him, but he needs to get to the inside a little bit more. I think he's, I think he's learning to do that. Um, I think he's adapting to the NHL and what, what he needs to do to be successful. It's not just being on the perimeter and, you know, scoring nice goals in a rush. It's, it's, he's got to get to the inside, get, get to those dirty areas. And, and, uh, you know, that's something that, that's kind of, kind of become a, a habit for, for him. And he says he's, He's uh, he's getting more comfortable doing that, and you know he's also filled out maybe could fill out a little role on the PK. Mm-hmm. 
this year for the Sharks. He's done a little bit of that in the preseason. So um, he's trying to just try to carve out his own, uh, his own niche here on the team. Curtis Pashelka, Bay Area News, is our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Mike Greer comes in as GM, the former Edmonton Oiler. Uh, what kind of job uh, do you think Mike has done? And he's... He has a little bit of a mess to clean up. Can you kind of discuss uh, the situation where he's got, you know, the between the buyouts and the dead cap space? Yeah, yeah. He walked into, uh, you know, he had his hands full right from day one, you know, last year. And, and uh, you know, he started out with the Brent Burns trade, trying to clear about some, some cap space. And then, that you know, the attention turned to Timo Meyer, who's going to be a restricted free agent after uh, – after last season, they said, "What do you do there? Do you sign him, and do you do you trade him?" Obviously, they ended up trading him, and that you know, end up uh, obviously they ended up trading Eric Carlson as well, and and uh, you know, freeing up some cap space down the line. So I think he's done a pretty good job in just a matter of you know giving himself some flexibility going forward. Uh, from Rickers' perspective, I think from the Sharks' perspective, they look at this year and possibly next year as being. Two more years of being in this rebuild, and I think uh, you know, in two more years' time here, when they had a lot of cap space and some of their younger prospects have, have matured a little bit, that they can start to start to come out of it. And you know, what, uh, you know, if they, if they do struggle again this year and got another top five pick, well, that just that just adds to the prospect pool. And and uh, so, from their perspective, they're they're keeping the eye on the long term. They still want to be you know as competitive as they can be in the year. Mm-hmm. In the short term, you know, with, with the guys they've, they've brought in from other teams, but um, they do have their eye on the long term for this organization. That's that's the way they feel that they're going to be back to be uh, a playoff contender again, and maybe even a cup contender again. Yeah, like. for sure. Curtis uh, Pashelka is our guest on Sports fourteen forty Bay Area News, covering the San Jose Sharks. How would you um, assess the San Jose Sharks goaltending situation uh, heading into next season, Curtis? I would say it's in flux. Okay. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a good I word. <laughs> I mean, it felt like, uh, you know, Kapokokkanen was, was better last year as the year went on. He got a tough start and, you know, seemed to put together some good starts toward the end of last season. I think he feels he's in a better place now than he was last year. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood is still a bit of a mystery. You know, can he stay healthy? Um, can he stay healthy and, and uh you know, be a guy who can get you 40, 45 starts this year. Uh, we'll see. And can, can he sort of recapture the form he showed his first couple of years in the mm-hmm. NHL? When he's a, you know, a caller candidate and look like a guy who fit in the devil's lineup for a long time. So we just don't know. I mean, we just don't know what, uh, what this, what the, what, you know, how the Sharks going to look uh, on a goaltending perspective. They are trying to play a little bit more of a structured game, play a little bit more defensive style. To try to help out their goalies a little, you know, a little more than they did last year. When you know, I think the goaltending, their their save percentage, team save percentage was the worst in the league at eight eighty one. So uh, they do have to make some changes in that respect, just to help out their goalies, and in turn, if that if that results in uh, some better numbers, some better statistics, I think that uh, they feel they're going to be on the right track, and maybe maybe Blackwood could be a guy uh, who can stick around for for quite a while here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Curtis Pichelk is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. Um, uh, next time you talk to Matt Benning, uh, Curtis, can you just ask him if he's changed his uh, golf range finder from from uh, meters to yards because he was off about 
10, 12 yards on all his shots for about five years. Uh, that's just a little running joke. <laughs> that's just a little running oh, joke. Mention that to him yeah. Today. yeah, if you mention yeah. it to him today, he's going to go, yeah, well, who are you talking to, Carrius in Edmonton? And he's going to go, oh, man. Yeah, he, he actually just <laughs> figured out how to operate that thing about two years ago. But he was wondering why all of his, his, his iron shots were off by about 10, 12 yards. So, oh boy, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, so, how how what kind of a role does Matt Benning play? I guess on this team, a local guy from here, uh, does a lot of work in the community and things like that. Where do you see his role uh, moving forward with the Sharks? You know, kind of a you know middle pairing uh, type defenseman this year. I don't know quite who he's who he's going to be paired with for the majority of the year. Last year, he was with uh, with Mark Edward Vlasic quite a bit, and you know, just like a PK guy. It's kind of the role he he's played at other stops in his career. You know, just a steady guy can get you 18, you know, 17 and 19 minutes a game. Um, you know, just kind of a steady player. And you know, the, the the big thing for the Sharks this year, especially without Carlson, is not asking guys to do things that they're not really capable yeah. of doing. I think everybody kind of understands that on uh, this defense core. They know that um, you know they're not gonna. No one's gonna go out this year and. and you know, score 60, 70 points from the back end. It's just, it's just not going to happen. It's got to be from a, a committee standpoint, and and uh, you know, so I, so I think everybody kind of gets the you know, has an identity that you know this is a team that's got to you know do the things it does well and and try to sort of uh, make up for that absence uh, in that uh, in that way. So I think you know I think of Matt Benning, uh, you know, a guy who, who knows who he is, uh, plays to that and. And uh, you know, obviously, there's there's nights uh, where it's going to be a, it's going to be tough for for the Sharks' defense core. But you know, I think I think at least now they have an idea as to what they want to be, and and uh, you know maybe that can help uh, help out uh, this year at some point. Uh, one last one for you, Curtis uh, Pashelka. I know you're kind of feeling a little under the weather here today, but thanks for hanging in for with us. Uh, so when you mentioned Mark Edward Vlasic, is uh, I mean he's got a lot of miles on the tread. Uh, so how much tread is left? Uh, I mean this is a guy that's 36 years old, but uh, really the heart and soul of the, the the Sharks' defense when you look at it. Yeah, yeah. I think well, I think last year. Um, you know, because average time on ice last year was up a little bit from the year before. I think he enjoys playing with uh, with David for David Quinn, and they seem to have an understanding of what he's capable of doing at this stage of his career and what he's not capable of doing right now. So, um, you know, there's obviously a three more years of that contract. I mean, it's maybe not ideal from a team perspective, but you know, we'll see how it all kind of plays out. I don't think there's an appetite right now to, to buy out that contract. Um, they want to keep him around. They feel he's still got, you know, some, some good years ahead here. So it's just a matter of, you know, not trying to ask him to do too much and he can kind of stay within his role and, and, uh, and try to do what he does well in terms of the PK and you know, being a guy that can throw over the boards over the last, you know, the last five minutes of the game. Um, you know, that's, that's sort of what his, his, his career has been built on. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so we'll see if he can, uh, if you can keep that up, and you know, I, I think he if he feels good right now. He feels he's in a better place, uh, you know, from a personal standpoint. So um, I think uh, you know, from, from last year to this year, I wouldn't expect too much of a drop off. I think he's pretty much going to do the same thing he did last year as he did, he's going to be this year. Hey Curtis, thanks for uh, taking the time this morning. Appreciate it. Enjoy uh, the Sharks uh, this season, and uh, hopefully they can get things turned around quickly on the rebuild uh, because it's a great place to watch hockey for sure. Uh, appreciate your time today. 
car. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. That's Curtis Pashelka, Bay Area News for our Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. Hey, it doesn't really matter if there is snow on the ground yet. It's the temperature change that matters more as a signal to change your tires. Duke, have you got things rolling? Do you need uh, on the old F-150 there? You got uh, you got the, the uh, slicks on still, or what do you got going? I, well, yeah, that, so this is still the original tires from when I bought the truck, <laughs> uh, and a lot of a lot of kilometers, or what'd you call them with Loriana? Kimmies? Kimmies. A lot of Kimmies, lot of Kimmies thrown Kimmies. on the that tread. They're still the factory tires, and so I'm due for new ones. Heading to the fall here, I have to go over to my uh, our new friends at Fountain Tire yeah. and see what they can set me up with here into the winter. I'm not a big winter tire guy. I prefer the... The all, all seasons, seasons and okay. stuff, but I mean, hey, it's I'm gonna be doing a lot more city driving this year, in and out uh, from the studios and stuff. So a little extra help goes a long way with uh, the right tires on. You betcha. Uh, we'll have a little uh, open time with the Duke when we come back at the top of the hour. We'll check in with uh, Dan Hayes uh, to talk a little Minnesota Twins as the Jays and the Minnesota Twins get ready to kick off their series tomorrow. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. That's Vince Gill. I know that one, Duke. Uh, was that uh, playing at the wedding? Were you? Uh, on, I were wish. You, were you uh, ripping that one up? On, I, I on would the... have if it was out there, but no, no, Vince. I, th- I think the only <laughs> country song, and it's not even really a country song that played, was the one Lorianne uh, mentioned, Footloose. Mm-hmm. Um, the original, Kenny Loggins, not uh, Blake Shelton's cover of it, which is fine, but it's it's not the original, which is the best. Uh, always the best more often than not. So, uh, yeah, I think that was the only one that really was uh, able to get out there and do a little little two-step or two. How big was this wedding? How many people? Not very many people. It was it was pretty small. Uh, I think maybe like 100 people there, um, I would guess, just in kind of a little community center um, in west end of Calgary. Okay. I think I'm not <laughs> – as I was driving down there, uh, I went with a couple friends that were also invited, and thank God they were driving because Calgary is way out of my <laughs> wheelhouse. I was trying to think. I couldn't even remember the last time I had been down to Calgary. And it, it, I think it was, I think I went to a Flames home opener about mm-hmm. 2017 or 18. I think that was the last time I was in Calgary. Wow. Um, the two key words at any wedding, open bar? No. Oh! No, and once again, once again, this loops back to kind of the, the small town versus mm-hmm. the city thing. So it wasn't like a uh, facility bar. Like it was cash bar, uh, $4 drinks. Like yeah. you buy $4 drink tickets as opposed to my... Most weddings I've attended, either an open bar or Toonie bar, yeah. I've at at, uh, at the worst case scenario. So that was a little bit different, but I mean, I'll never complain. You know, the um, uh, do do I I spend the same amount of money whether it's an open bar or a Toonie bar. Either way, I just walk up and dunk my money in the jar and say, <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't uh, don't ask me for anything more for the night. I think they should cover it, however many drinks I'm going to have. And uh, that was what's the case again. The bartenders are always a. Uh, if you look after them, they look after yes, you. Yes, for sure. Uh, text coming in to one 401 1440 Lots with uh, Shane Peacock, our guest at uh, 9 o'clock, our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. Um, enjoying uh, this interview uh, with Shane. Uh, interesting journey. Uh, this one comes in uh, from Fleets. Shane Peacock is one of my son's coaches. It was great to hear a bunch of things I did not know about his life and his connection to Enoch. That comes from Fleets. Uh, imitation Tom sends one in about William Eklund as we discussed uh, the San Jose Shark forward with Curtis Pashelka from uh, Bay Area News. Uh, Eklund should be playing pretty high up. If you see uh, going young, you'd better be off with going guys like Boldy, Bedard, Cooley, or Fantilli. Uh, that comes in from Imitation Tom. So the Duke, you watched uh, 
the early game. That was a 7.30 kickoff in London, right? And it's, Jacksonville's basically the de facto London team, they're, right? They're back there next weekend. Like, they are staying yes. in the UK for a full extra week, which will be their 11th game playing overseas. Mm-hmm. I don't think any other team has played more than two since they started. I think 2007 or 2008 was the first year they went over there. Nobody wants to go over there for that. Mind you, for two games, I can see that. By the second time, by the second week, you're kind of like acclimated yeah. in the jet lag and the time change and stuff. But then as soon as that one's over, you got to turn around and come back <laughs> but to, you, to I the think, States. Are they on a bye week then after? I'm, pretty, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'd have to check that because, yeah, bye weeks are starting up here in week uh, six of the yeah. NFL, so... Uh, they usually, if you're going over there, they will give you that week off after just for, you know, to get, you know, reacclimatized to wherever you are coming back to uh, the It looks States. like you're correct. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you were doing the Toy Story game as well? Uh, or how, how? I wanted to watch yeah. it, but I was just in the hotel room, woke up in a pretty groggy state and flipped <laughs> it on the TV. Um, and yeah, just in the, the hotel cable, didn't have the Toy Story feed. So I was what, but I was all over it on Twitter and stuff, seeing clips. Apparently, the like a few technical issues at the start of the game in terms mm-hmm. of getting it uh, working properly. A lot of it was just on Booger McFarland and the um, play-by-play broadcaster who were doing the game. They were also animated for it. So the clips I saw were really cool. And there was the one play that I think got a lot of uh, love online, B. John Robinson with like a, little, yeah. a really nice juke move. That really uh, came across well on the animated feed. I mean, hey, whatever you can do to try and get new new fans of the game, even if they are really young, like all of a sudden sitting down to watch football in the morning, if you're kid that's between the ages of, you know, like yeah. four to ten, that's it's something else for it, them uh, in it all of a sudden, right? It's about, you know, generating new fans. And if you can keep doing that and you can hook them young, that's what you want. So, yeah, whether it's through Andy's room or Taylor Swift at the Jets game, however you get new fans, the NFL will never turn you away. Hmm. Um I'm quitting fantasy football, Duke. Uh, that's it's my last. I'm not even putting a team in next week. I'm done. So here's what I did. I had, oh, I don't know. I can't even remember who it was, but I picked up Matt Gay, the kicker, because he booted, what, four field goals over 50 yards the week before. He gets zero points. I think, you know, I'm going, my the Baltimore Ravens defense was doing really nothing. So I thought, I'm going to take Cincinnati's defense. Take Cincy's defense. They did nothing. Baltimore puts up, what, 24 or 5 points in fantasy. So that's uh, the difference between another win and a loss for me, basically. Uh, 0-5 to start the year. Pathetic. Pathetic. It's just, it's not even fun anymore. Retiring. Um, what about your? Did you do well on picks and fantasy or? Uh, yeah, yeah. My uh, my gambling yesterday, very good day. The I also was kind of expecting the Bengals to start their their turnaround, so I was on them. They lost, uh, and then as well as the Browns, um, I was pretty high on them heading into the day. But I was not aware. Once again, this might do the fact that I wasn't really coherent until the middle of the day after the games had all started. But Deshaun Watson not playing uh, played a big role there, I think, as well. And even for guys like Amari Cooper, who had a very uh, pedestrian, if not bad, day on the fan fantasy and just generic stat line. So those two were losses for me, but a bunch of wins rattled off. So I'm coming out to, coming out ahead. And on the fantasy side, I've got um, pretty much like, perce- they always give you these percentages, right? Mm-hmm. Your apps, they say, this is your percentage of winning. So heading into tonight's game, my opponent has Daniel Jones left to play and I lead by give or take 30 points. So right, like the app is mm. giving me an 81% chance of a win. Daniel Jones, while not, I don't think he's a great quarterback, like in the yeah. in real world. Fantasy, his ability to run the ball, punch in touchdowns, makes him very valuable. 
30 points is not out of the realm of possibility, so I'm a little nervous. But uh, in my other league, a, a pretty good win. I got a good matchup. The guy I played against didn't have a great week. So even with a lot of my mm-hmm. guys having down weeks, still should come away uh, victorious there. But yeah, I'm a little, I'm nervous heading into tonight's game. I'll be glued to the TV, that's for sure. Uh, Mark Spector just sent me a text uh, about tonight's Oilers roster, and he's wondering what account that I found the rosters on. And it was from... Allison, who is uh, writes with the Seattle Kraken, um, Root Sports. So Allison L is the name. Uh, basically, she sent that out last night is where I found it, Spec. I think you're listening. So again, Oilers will be going with, according to her, and then this is what has been sent out to with Seattle. Um, Dreisaitl, McDavid playing about 12 to 13 regulars. That's just kind of going through it. CC Gleason. Derek Ryan, Janmark, Hyman, Lane Peterson, Adam Ernie, Griffin, Malone, Kulak, Drysaddle, Pickard, Campbell, Borgo, Holloway, Hamblin, Lavoie, Kemp, Deneen, Broberg, and McDavid. If this is correct from the Seattle uh, perspective, uh, Oilers would be having a, a skate this morning and then the game tonight and then back home for a couple more to uh, close out the old preseason. Are you had it? Are you ready to go, Duke? What do we got? Uh, I'm, I'm just not a big preseason guy. Like I said, a, a game like tonight, uh, much like going back to when they were at home versus Vancouver, when they're icing a pretty complete lineup in terms of what you're going to see on opening night. And another all of a sudden interesting dynamic is, of course, the news of Brandon Sutter um, mm-hmm. being released and then retiring. The the health just not where it needs to be to kind of continue on with his career. That, that fourth line center spot is kind of right back in the mix and it's really been the only spot up for grabs all camp and the front runner now out of it so well uh that's one more thing to keep an eye on uh if you are going to be watching some preseason hockey which you know what there's just the one game on tonight there's not two monday nighters like there has been for weeks past so i I think i'll probably get it flipped on uh and check it out uh, and see who can who stands out for that fourth line center spot for sure uh the hammer wants to know uh who's got that fourth line spot now with sutter being gone Again, it's, you know, the usual suspects that we just talked about. Um, uh, I mean, Adam Ernie now has a very good chance. Uh, Derek Ryan and Spexit can fill the void uh, for right now. I think, you know, you're going to probably bring someone else in. I think Ken Hitchcock, I'd really be watching the waiver wire now in the sense that it's tough to pick up a guy off waivers because you always have to let someone go. Um, but I would imagine there's going to be a lot uh, of uh, a movement here still. Uh, Slurpee, Sean, oh, the Jags have a bye week in week nine? Nine, correct, yes. So, so thank you for that, Slurpee, for Sean. That. I went, I breezed past it as I was looking at a quick, quick look at the week six schedule. They play the Colts. So week nine is when the Jags are on bye. I think, Kevin, but I think you're right. Mm-hmm. When they play these international games, I think they give the teams the options when they schedule saying, do you want the right. bye week coming off of that? Some exercise it. Some don't. Don't quote me on that fact yeah. in general, but I believe that's the case. So the Jags, like I said, they do this virtually every year. Maybe they're comfortable just coming <laughs> back and rolling with it and, and taking their buy in a little bit more of a middle spot of the season. Because funny your, it, using your buy in week six yeah. kind of sucks, right? It, like, uh, it's too early for a lot of teams. They, they hate it. Yeah. And then the other guys hate it. Like they want it in there like 8, 9, 10. Because mm-hmm. if you're waiting till 12, 13 at that point, again, that's too long and injuries mount and things like that. So uh, when we come back at the top of the hour, we will check in with Dan Hayes from The Athletic in Minnesota, talk a little about Twins and Jays as they get that series going tomorrow afternoon. All the games are afternoon games in that best of three, Minnesota and Toronto. Uh, 
first, a sports update with the Duke on Sports 1440.